And what happened then with some of the health conditions of diabetes and high blood pressure? So the diabetes actually went away really fast, probably nine wow. months. Wow. I got my A1C down to 4.6. That's incredible <laughs> for anyone, let alone someone who's had diabetes. <laughs> And so it was funny when I first went to my family doctor, he said, diabetes is forever. You're going to have to manage this the rest of your mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And I came back like that nine months later and he goes, you're no longer a diabetic. I said, you told me it was forever. And he goes, <laughs> I don't usually have patients that do what you've done. That's amazing. Hello, and welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Dr. Julie Fouché, family physician and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring you information and inspiration to help bridge the gap between fitness and medicine and support your journey toward your healthiest self. This episode is one of a series of pursuing health stories. Here, I feature the inspiring stories of regular everyday people who've used lifestyle to overcome some incredible health challenges. In this week's episode, I share a conversation that I had with Scott Schweitzer, who openly shares his story of physical and mental transformation through CrossFit. I first met Scott at his CrossFit Level 1 many years ago and have seen him at almost every CrossFit Games Central East Regional event that I've competed at. Scott lost nearly 250 pounds and reversed his diabetes with the help of his neighbor, his family, and his CrossFit community. But his journey hasn't been without setbacks. We talk about back surgery, a vascular condition that he has struggled with, and an ongoing struggle with depression that have resulted in some weight regain, but he's definitely not giving up. I really appreciated how open and vulnerable Scott was in this conversation, and we certainly had a lot to relate to each other on with recent changes in each of our lives. I'm also making an upcoming appearance on Scott's podcast, The Clydesdale Fitness and Friends Show as well, where I share more about recent changes in my own life, so make sure you check that episode out soon. Before we dive into the episode, I do want to make it clear that this podcast is for general information only and does not provide medical advice. I recommend that you seek assistance from your personal physician for any health conditions or concerns. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I am here with Scott Schweitzer, who um, I have gotten, had the pleasure to get to know over the past several years, first, uh, doing his level one and seeing him many times volunteering at regional events and in other CrossFit community events. And I've had the pleasure of being on his podcast before. And so now finally we get to hear his story here. So thank you so much for joining me. I'm really excited about this. Thank you for having me, Julie. <laughs> well, I know a lot of your story, um, or at least the, the parts that I had heard before, I know that there's been some more recent developments, but um, a lot of it in your CrossFit story came from really finding CrossFit and using that to help you lose weight and reverse some chronic diseases. Um, but I know that growing up, you were very active and weight wasn't always a, a big issue. These chronic diseases were something that kind of crept on later in life. So can you just sort of set the stage for us about you know, all the sports you did growing up and what your health was like, um, early on in life. So growing up, I was a, a four sport athlete. I played football. I swam. I ran, I didn't run track. I threw track and mm -hmm. I uh, played baseball in the summer. So was that shot put or javelin? Uh, I or was both? more of a javelin discus guy. Okay, cool. Very cool. Um, I was a and, pole vaulter. That was my, my <laughs> gymnastics, my gymnastics background turned into pole vaulting in track season. <laughs> pole vaulting that you have to be a little bit insane to do that. I think a little bit. I don't know if I could, if I had to go back and do it now, I don't know if I'd have the guts to do it. It was, if you look at it, you're like, I did that. That's a little crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I was a four sport athlete. Uh, com I competed at a very high level uh, in 1986. I qualified for the U S swimming nationals. Wow. Um and swam there. I was not competitive at the national level, but at least I made it. Yeah. Um, disqualifying is a huge accomplishment. <laughs> wow. Uh, so that was fun. I was 16 years old. Uh, thought I had the world by the tail and, mm -hmm. um, and it, it's crazy because when you swim five hours a day and you're always active, like you can eat pretty much whatever you want. Yeah. Everybody's heard the, um, Michael Phelps stories. Oh, yeah. Um, and so that is, that's pretty true. Like you're eating quite a bit of calories just to kind of maintain your weight. Um, and then you swam in college, correct? For a, for a brief moment, uh, mm -hmm. I did swim at the Ohio State University. Okay. Um, and then 
uh, I didn't. I'll let I didn't, you say that on this podcast. I know. <laughs> uh, I only stayed for one trimester back in the eighties. Okay. Um, and I, I just didn't like the college athletic thing. It just, mm-hmm. it was too, too businesslike and okay. I wasn't having fun anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, I decided to retire and I went back to Pennsylvania to go to college. Okay. Well, good for you for making that decision and, and knowing like, you know, early on saying this isn't right for me and making that decision. Cause I think a lot of people would probably just push through, even if they were unhappy for a longer period of time until it became, you know, inevitable. So I know that's hard to do. Yeah. It was a tough decision, but cause it had been a part of my life for so long. Yeah. Yeah. Especially to have that, like the sport that you had been really committed to for so long. I know, it, you know, no matter when, it comes to an end, whether it's the end of high school or college or anywhere in between, it's hard to just yeah. think about moving on to the next stage of your life. So, so yeah. So what was that next stage like? Then you went back to Pennsylvania for college and how did things go from there? So um, I, I lived a very clean life until uh, I retired swimming. Mm-hmm. You know, my body was my temple. I didn't drink. I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the first thing I did is I partied pretty hard. Okay. Um, and, and that kind of started the, the weight gain. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to that, I, when I played football in high school, I played at like 210 pounds in okay. swimming. I, I swam at 170. Wow, so I amazing. would move between okay. those yeah. weights, um, pretty regularly. Okay. Uh, so at first I, as I was putting the weight on, it was kind of normal because mm-hmm. I fluctuated quite a bit in high school. Um, but then it just, it kept going and I was partying, you know, I was eating out all the time. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really paying attention to nutrition at all. Um, and the only fitness I was really doing was like pick up basketball and mm-hmm. some weightlifting. I got into powerlifting for a little bit. Okay. Um, and that was pretty much it. Okay. Okay. Um, and then over what, I mean, was there ever a point where you started to realize, Hey, you know, I'm not treating my body well, like this isn't, this isn't healthy. At what point did you start to, to think about that or realize that maybe you wanted to change something? So it was a vicious cycle for like 20 years. Um, okay. You know, I would, I would join a gym. I would do the best I could. I would go on a diet, you know, mm-hmm. any, every diet under the sun I have tried. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I would, I would fail at some point mm-hmm. and then, and then just slip back into old habits. And each time I would gain more weight after on, on the bounce back. And then it was in the, in the mid two thousands where I just was like, I was tired of being tired. And I just, I was ready, honestly, to just give up on everything. Mm -hmm. I started drinking really heavily, um, just to kind of numb myself after work every day. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I was ready to ride it out. Wow. That's really has to be so frustrating, especially over the span of 20 years to feel like you've tried so many things and it's not for, for lack of trying or wanting to turn things around, but having that repeated cycle of trying and then feeling like you failed that you kind of lose motivation or hope at that point. And what, one example is I actually tried to get back into swimming. Mm-hmm. I was living in Florida at the time. So I went to a pool. I did what would be a very minor workout compared to what I did when I was younger. Sure. After that, I got out of the pool. I was shaking so bad. Mm-hmm. I couldn't change clothes for like 45 minutes. Wow. And so wow. I just felt like a failure. Like every time I would try something, my body just was kind of rejecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What do you think it was about all of those different things that you tried over that 20 year span that, um, that made them not stick or made them not be like long-term solutions? So from a diet perspective, I was definitely way too restrictive. Mm. Um, And from a workout perspective, my ego probably got in the way way too much. Mm -hmm. And because I was a former athlete, you know, I can do this. And really I should have been dipping my toe in the water and and casually getting back Mm -hmm. into shape. Mm -hmm. And I tried to go at it too hard. Yeah. That's, I'm sure that's the hardest part about having that background as a really competitive athlete is, you know, what you're capable of. Right. And so it's hard to, it's hard to take the steps. Um, even when we think about in anything like coming back from an injury or doing, um, physical therapy, it's easy to want to push it too hard because you know what felt right to you at one time or what you were capable of. And then sometimes that can set you back a little bit. Yeah. 
That's tough. Okay. Um, and so at what point did you start to develop any health problems associated with the weight? So that's, that's the crazy thing. I didn't really have any health problems for years. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's that I just, I clicked so far up on the wellness continuum Mm -hmm. that it just took forever for it to fall back to illness. Mm -hmm. But it was 2011 um, is when I got the shakeup of my life. And that was, I had a myopic flip. Okay. So I woke up one day and everything that used to be clear was very, very blurry. Mm, that's scary. And so I couldn't, I couldn't even really see to drive. Wow. Um, and I tried to go to work that day and I just was like, I got to go home. And then I went to my eye doctor. I called in and mm-hmm. said what had happened. And they said, get in here immediately. Uh, he looked at my eyes and he said, get to your family physician immediately. Wow. Like, do not go home. Mm-hmm. go now. And so I went and that's when I registered over a 13 on an A1C test. Mm. So you had at that point, diabetes that had probably been brewing for a little while that you didn't even know you had. Right. Mm-hmm. And can you explain for people listening what the myopic flip is? So what, whatever your, your near vision is flips mm-hmm. to the opposite, whatever your far distance vision is flips to the opposite. Mm-hmm. So like far, far away, I could see crystal clear, mm-hmm. but everything up close was blurry. Wow. And that's a complication of the uncontrolled diabetes and the high blood it, sugar. It, it actually was sugar in the pores of my eyes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so what was it like when you found out, wow, I have diabetes? I, I felt embarrassed. Mm. I felt embarrassed that I'd got to that point, mm-hmm. um, there is a history in my family of diabetes. And so mm-hmm. like, I knew it was a possibility, but how did I go from this highly competitive athlete to a mm-hmm. guy with serious diabetes, not, mm-hmm. not just minor, not pre, but mm-hmm. like over the top diabetes. Mm-hmm. And so I actually kind of hit it for a couple of weeks as I was trying to wrap my head around it. Yeah. My wife knew, my daughter knew, you know, I, and I was taking the medication they gave me and, mm-hmm. um, and testing myself every day, but it was rough. Cause I, my, my sugar would go way too low and I'd almost pass out. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a really hard time controlling it at first. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. And there's a lot of, um, like you said, with, with trying all things you had tried and coming from a place of being such a highly competitive athlete, like there is a lot of, um, I think just like embarrassment or shame that can come with that. Cause feeling like what you, you know, what you're capable of or what you, where you have been. Um, and that's, that's hard. I think can also can sometimes prevent people from really like facing it and taking on, taking it on. Yeah. Um, did you, did you develop any other um, like medical conditions? High blood pressure. Mm-hmm. Uh, which had never been a problem for me. I always was risking low blood pressure um, mm-hmm. when I was an athlete. Um, so I, high blood pressure, I was on five prescriptions and I don't even remember what they all were at this point. Mm-hmm. I remember metformin was one of them and some high blood pressure medicine, a water pill, mm-hmm. uh, but I can't remember what all five were. Mm-hmm. Um, and what point, so you kind of get things you're like, okay, I have these, these medical conditions. I'm on some medications. Um, I know eventually you found CrossFit, but what were the steps to get you to that point? So at first, like, I didn't even know what CrossFit was. So I was just, I've tried so many things and I, and so I watched my aunt die of diabetes and Mm -hmm. she, they had to amputate pieces Mm -hmm. of her as she died. And so while I said I was ready to write it out, I, I knew I didn't want to go that way. Yeah. So I wanted to find answers. Um, and I, I just was deep in thought trying to figure it out. And I was on a business trip uh, in St. Louis mm-hmm. and there was a really bad storm. Um, stuff was blowing by my window. Um, mm-hmm. It was really bad. And I was like, you know what? God is so amazing that all this can happen with him. Mm-hmm. And I literally dropped to my knees in my hotel room mm-hmm. and I said, God, I need you to help me. I can't, I can't get through this alone and I need answers. I need to figure it out. And so the next morning I went to the conference and one of the scheduled 
um, workshops was a nutrition Wow. Workshop. And so I went in and it was this person doing a speech on that fat-free foods have created a diabetic society. Mm-hmm. And that she was giving tips and tricks and all of this stuff to, to kind of combat that. And then I was like, wow, that is amazing. And then I drove home. I was all by myself for like eight hours from St. Louis to Columbus uh-huh. and just kind of me and my thoughts and praying a lot on the way home. I get home, nobody's here. And I turn on the TV and the doctors are doing an episode on fat-free foods causing a diabetic society. Wow. You're getting the message. (laughs) (laughs) So, so at that point I was like, wow, I, I, I know what I need to like look at. And then I knew that my next door neighbor was a personal trainer. Okay. I didn't know what that meant. I didn't know. And I looked at my wife and said, I'm going to ask our neighbor if he can help me. And my wife was like, you are not, I am not ready to go to a gym. I'm not ready to work out. Um, So she was scared of doing it herself. She was. Okay. And so I said, but I got to do this. I I can't, I can't keep going the way we're going. Mm -hmm. And so I went outside and he was walking his dog and I, he stopped and I begged him like, can you help me? And he said to me, I was praying that you would ask me for help. Wow. That's beautiful. And so I started my, my um, journey with Marcus and that was nutrition first, mm-hmm. uh, getting my nutrition under, under wraps. And it was super simple that at that time around. And it was just, if you're hungry, eat and look at the food and say, is this going to be good for my body or bad for my body? Mm-hmm. And that's all I really did uh, mm-hmm. to lose that weight initially. And then he started working us out in the neighborhood. Okay. Uh, so just like walks down the street, yeah. walk around the block, and it just kept ramping it up. And then we'd just find stuff in the garage and he would have us like move objects, mm-hmm. um, different ways. And it, it really worked. And then it was 11, 11, 11. Okay. The day of all ones uh, <laughs> is when I first set foot into a CrossFit gym. Wow. Wow. Which was well, Veterans started- Day. I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It was Veterans Day 2011. That's amazing. And I know uh, from reading your story before that it wasn't just an average run-of-the-mill workout on Veterans Day, was it? <laughs> it was not. It was Murph. <laughs> so tell us about that. You obviously, um, one of the things that you know people get very nervous about when looking at CrossFit or starting it is that it looks too intense and too overwhelming, but that was an example for you of how you were able to scale and modify the workout to meet your needs in that time. So how did it go? So the first thing is I saw the the whiteboard with it written and, mm-hmm. and Marcus hadn't been there yet. Mm-hmm. And so uh, there was a couple guys warming up to do it. And I was like, there is no way that I can do this. Like <laughs> I can, I can walk around the block, but can I run a mile, let alone all that other yeah. stuff? Yeah. Uh, and so Marcus came in and he kind of grabbed me by the shoulder and says, you're going to do a version of this, but don't pay attention to the numbers. Mm-hmm. You're going to get the same stimulus as everybody else that's here. And we're going to, we're going to work with you. And it ended up being like walking as fast as I could mm-hmm. 10 times across the gym mm-hmm. and then doing ring rows, doing elevated pushups and mm-hmm. sitting on a box and standing up. Mm-hmm. And then walking across the gym as fast as I could. That's amazing. And how did you feel after that first official workout at a CrossFit affiliate? Uh, I felt addicted yeah. um, because as we were going, like he lowered my ring row and kept pushing me. Uh-huh. Like you can do better than this. You can do yeah. better. And it just, it built that competitive fire that I'd been mm-hmm. missing for 20 years. Mm-hmm. That was still deep inside of you, but you've been missing it. That's amazing. That's amazing. And so my goal was to like walk faster on the second times across the gym. And yeah. yeah. And it's amazing. I think I noticed that too, how the motivation can come mid workout. Like sometimes it's, you get started and then you see what you're capable of and you think, Oh, I think I can push it a little bit more. Maybe I can make it a little bit harder. And, and sometimes that motivation doesn't always come before you start before the clock goes off, but it's it's mid workout. So that's cool that he was even modifying it for you and pushing you and find, helping you find what your edge was at that moment. Yeah. And he says that, you know, he saw the spark 
-hmm. and he knew that he could push me at that moment, um, which was really cool too. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. When you talked about the, the, how you started with nutrition and you said it was just very basic. Is this going to be good for my body or bad for my body? Um, obviously there's so much misinformation out there. And even the, the two things you talked about, the seminars about low fat, not necessarily being good for you. Um, were there a lot of things that you had to unlearn in order to be able to answer that question for yourself? Or how did you, uh, what was it? What was your initial approach when you decided what was good or bad for you? So I had a lot of questions. Um, it was really awesome that my next door neighbor was the guy helping me. Mm-hmm. It wasn't far to yell across the fence to find <laughs> out what an answer to a question. Um, and so uh, I did have a lot of questions and I knew because of the diabetes thing that I needed mm-hmm. to like reduce the amount of carbs I was eating to get the sugar down, mm-hmm. um, to get that right again so that my body could work properly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's great. And so great just to have someone that you can bounce those questions off of. Yeah. Um, Cause it's a lot at first for sure. Okay. So then you, you get, you do your first CrossFit workout, which is Murph. You are addicted. <laughs> yeah. Where did you go from there? So before we, I went to shred, um, I would shred CrossFit. I went to the Y uh, okay. and I was doing stuff at the Y. So when I first went there, I only went two days a week to shred mm-hmm. and I would do the rest of my days at the okay. Y. Okay. It was quick, like maybe two, three weeks later, I was like, everybody's staring at me when I'm trying to do a thruster in the middle of the Y. (laughs) So I probably just need to like cancel my Y membership and go to shred full time. Yeah. And so I just, I moved to like, it was like three days a week, then four days a week, then five days a week Mm -hmm. uh, because I really caught the bug. Mm -hmm. That's great. And what type of results did you see or what, what was it that really kept you motivated and going back and that kept this from being something that stuck and that wasn't, um, like some of the previous things that you tried? So uh, two things, like I was losing weight dramatically. Mm -hmm. Um, When I started with Marcus, I was over 500 pounds. Mm -hmm. Um, And eventually I got down to 260. Wow. And in addition to that, CrossFit gives you that, like you win almost every day. Mm -hmm. There's some part of the workout that, especially in that first year or two, you're, you're winning at something every day, getting better mm-hmm. at one thing, you know, getting double unders or getting, and then it just brings you back to see what you can do the next day. Yeah. Like how, what, what can I do next? Yeah. Yep. That's great. You know, like, like the first time I did grace, I was so excited to do an RX workout Yeah. and I probably did grace way before I should have. <laughs> and, and Marcus came over and said, are you sure you want to do this RX? And I'm like, well, I can clean and jerk 135. I know I can do that. Mm-hmm. And it took me 17 minutes to do grace, but you did it, but I did it. RX. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, my next time doing it was under six. Wow. That's a big improvement. <laughs> right. And so that, those are the things that like keep bringing you back and then yeah. you get better and better and better. Um, and so, yeah, so true. I think I remember that my first DT RX DT, I think it was somewhere around 18 minutes um, where I probably had no business doing the RX weight, but I just, <laughs> I just did it. And then, you know, eventually you get down a lot lower than that, but, um, that's great. What were some of the things that you were most proud of or most excited about, um, initially as you began your CrossFit? Uh, the things I was most proud of, uh, were my wife came along for the journey. Oh, Uh, she she lost almost a hundred pounds with me. Um, getting to do a 24 inch box jump, mm. um, wow. doing pull-ups. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are things that I could have never imagined mm-hmm. when I was 500 pounds. That's um, being to be able to pull this body up and get a chin over a bar was mm-hmm. just amazing. That's incredible. And I'm sure it took a lot of dedication and hard work and persistence. It wasn't something that just happened overnight. Yeah, that was a couple year journey. And then um, running, I was able to, I've run as much as a quarter marathon wow. um, after that. And so that was, that was huge for me as well. That's really cute. And what happened then with um, some of the health conditions of diabetes and high blood pressure? 
So the diabetes actually went away really fast, probably nine months. Wow. Um, I got my A1C down to 4.6. That's incredible (laughs) for anyone, let alone someone who's had diabetes. (laughs) And so it was funny when I first went to my family doctor, he said, diabetes is forever. You're going to have to manage this the rest of your Mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And I came back like that nine months later and he goes, you're no longer a diabetic. I said, you told me it was forever. And he goes, I don't usually have patients that do what you've done. That's amazing. That's so amazing. And now think about how you've changed his experience so that now when he talks to another patient, he can use you as as an example and say, hey, this is possible to reverse. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. And and one other thing I have to mention, because I know she'll listen to this podcast. My mom came mm-hmm. along for the ride too. Oh, she was 60, awesome. 67 at the time. Uh-huh. She was a diabetic. She okay. lost 125 pounds and no reversed way. her diabetes as well. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. That's incredible. And just look at like the impact of that, you know, your decision to go talk to your neighbor and the ripples and the impact that that's had now on huge impact on your wife your mom, I'm sure so many other people. Yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, And I I love how you also really made it a family um, endeavor. I saw that you said you, you, at least at one point, would meal prep together as a family on Sundays and probably the way that you change your diet influenced the way that the rest of your family was eating too. Most definitely. That's great. And then I know you became very active in the CrossFit community because I met you at your level one and I would see you volunteer. You volunteered, I think for almost every possible, uh, I don't know if it's a department, but different ways that you can volunteer at regionals. <laughs> I think you you've hit them all. So what was that like for you just to be so involved in the community early on? And what did that give you? Uh, so the first time we did it was 2014 at the central East regionals in Cincinnati Mm-hmm. And uh, my friend and I went, we didn't know what we were getting into. I didn't really know anybody, but you and Rich. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was so cool. Cause I was like media credentials that time. And my table was right underneath the rig. So mm-hmm. I got to watch you do your, your rope climbs and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And so that was a blast. Um, I kept a lot of people out that were actually supposed to come in. Cause I didn't know who they were. Uh, <laughs> which was fun. But then, but then you just become a part of this community that is on this volunteer community in CrossFit is unreal. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are some of my best friends in the world. We, we love getting together at different events Mm -hmm. and hanging out and it's just the coolest thing. That's amazing. Amazing. Um, And then you also went on to coach. I think, I think actually when I met you at your level one, Marcus was there also, correct? He was. Um, And then you went on to do some coaching after that, correct? I did. Mm-hmm. What was it like for you after going through your own personal experience to then be able to relate to other people that you were coaching or, or use that to help motivate them? I think it was a mindset flip initially mm-hmm. um, because you get more excited for your the athletes you're coaching than mm-hmm. you do for yourself now. Mm-hmm. Um, seeing them achieve what they can, um, like I cried way more at stuff they did <laughs> than the stuff yeah. I was doing. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, and so it, it really was a complete mind flip when, when I started coaching. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and I know, you know, that the, as, as we make these changes, things are not always a straight path. There's always a lot of zigs and zags and ups and downs. Um, and it sounds like you've had some other uh, ups and downs over the past few years as well. So can you fill us up on, on what's happened in the recent times and what, where you're at now? So I think initially when I lost the weight, um, I was suffering from depression really bad before Mm -hmm. all this happened. Mm -hmm. And while I was successful at losing weight and becoming fit again, I never addressed the depression Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. And so in 2000, late 2016, um, I tweaked my back Mm. and it just, it just, I would get acupuncture, I would get deep tissue massage, I would get chiropractic, everything I could think of to make it better. And eventually it went really bad, ruptured disc. Mm. Um, The gel from the disc was laying on the sciatic nerve. Mm. Uh, So pain shooting down my leg. Um, It got to a point where I couldn't even sleep in bed. I was sleeping in a recliner every night. Gosh, that's miserable. Um, and so when that happened and CrossFit was taken away from me, mm-hmm. 
uh, I really suffer. I went back into the depression again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and so when that happened, um, I, I was no longer able to coach. Uh, Marcus talked to me and said that he um, needed me to stop coaching. And that, that kind of hurt really bad when you're in a depressed state, yeah. you hear things in a way that, that isn't re- maybe not real, but your mm-hmm. perception takes over and it just, it spiraled me down even more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then little things happened here and there to just make it worse and worse. Um, and then in addition to that, I, I developed this leg disease where wounds opened up on my legs because my veins, a vein in each leg was not pumping the blood blood back up through my mm-hmm. leg. Mm-hmm. So I had um, a procedure done on my back. It got better almost immediately. Um, I had started leaking back, trying to go to back into CrossFit. Um, but then the leg issue came and then, and then my depression was bad. I wasn't able to like hear things people were trying to tell me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't able to be coached. Mm-hmm. anymore. And it got, it got really ugly. Mm. Gosh, that's, uh, you can see how all these things kind of interact together. Like one, just the impact the exercise has on your mood when that's taken away, you know, there's that, then there's the fact of you not being able to do the things that you enjoy being in pain all the time, not being able to move around, making the, the back and the legs sort of flare up. And how it can end up in this sort of perfect storm. And I think, I think something is developing in CrossFit that probably needs a lot of attention. And that is, as CrossFit gets older, us older athletes look back at who we were. Mm -hmm. And who I was in 2015 was a very competitive CrossFit athlete Mm -hmm. that competed locally and did very well in local competitions. Mm -hmm. And, And then when that back injury happened... Like I wasn't him anymore mm-hmm. and I was striving for years to become him again. Mm-hmm. Yes. And even like you say, um, initially, like any of us can look back to different points in life and feel bad if we're not where we used to be, like whether it's looking back at where you were when you were swimming and at the national competition, or whether you're looking back at where you were in CrossFit in 2015, um, you know, it's one thing to, to think about comparing ourselves to others, but sometimes even comparing ourselves to ourselves at different phases of life when our circumstances were very different can also be, um, have potentially a negative effect. Yeah. And I, and I had to realize through some help from others that I don't want to be that guy again. Mm-hmm. I want to, I want to be the best person I can be today, mm-hmm. not who I was then. Um, and it's, it's taken me a long time to get from A to B on that, yeah. on that scale. And there's still times I have to check my ego, mm-hmm. but, um, but yeah, I've, I want to be the best me I can be. I love that. I love that. So you said at, at some point you sort of hit the, the low, what was that like? And then what helped you to start to pull out of that? So the lowest low was my dad passed away in October. Mm. And again, my perceived thoughts were not real. Mm -hmm. I was so worried about what my dad would think of the person I became. Mm -hmm. And I got very, very depressed and I felt like I was letting him down. Mm -hmm. And at that point, my wife is telling me I need help. My daughter's telling me I need help. They've probably, they probably were saying that for a lot longer than I and yeah. giving credit for, um, but I finally heard it. And in November, I got, I went to a counselor. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to a psychiatrist um, and I talked about a lot of the feelings from not being able to coach anymore mm-hmm. um, about my dad, the loss of my dad, um, about feeling like a failure. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a guy who weighed 500 pounds, lost all this weight and then because of injury and depression, I gained a lot back. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I was telling people I was a complete failure again. Uh, I beat myself up. Mm-hmm. That's probably my biggest thing that I do when I'm in that depressed state is yeah. I just beat myself up until, because um, I think it makes me feel better to be hard on myself. Mm-hmm. 
which I know yeah. in a sane mind, like what I have right now, that sounds really silly that I do that. Mm-hmm. But, but in that moment, it feels right. Mm-hmm. I think, I think probably a lot of people listening can relate on some level where um, we, we can be almost so hard on ourselves um, instead of coming if we were like, if you were talking to someone else who's going through the same thing, like a friend and giving them advice, you'd probably be very different from the things that we, that we tell ourselves. Right. 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 Um, And so what, what has been some of the biggest things that have helped you then working with the psychiatrist and the counselor um, that have helped you to start to be aware of those thoughts or retrain that mindset? Uh, So one, just talking about it, Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I grew up in an era where it wasn't cool for a guy to go to a therapist. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm 51. I'm not a spring chicken. Um, and what I grew up in, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I grew up in a, in Western Pennsylvania, very like steel mill factory yeah. kind of place. Just talking about your feelings makes everything so much better. Yeah. Like yeah. just getting it out and being able to talk to somebody that's not a part of your bubble. Mm-hmm that has a, an uninterested third-party perspective uh, has been an immense help. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also got medication mm-hmm. um, that helps me uh, mm-hmm. tremendously. And maybe someday I won't need that anymore. Maybe I'll, I'll have get past that. But right now mm-hmm. it's helping me. Um, in my head, I have a playbook. And when I'm really depressed, I can't even see the pages of the playbook. Yeah. And with the medication, I can see the plays. I can prioritize the plays. I can put them in motion the way I want to, and it all makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what this has done for me. Mm-hmm. That's great. I, I think, and I love what you just said, because I think there can be a lot of stigma around taking medication for mental health. Um, just because even like you said, it, it can feel like, oh, you know, maybe I, there's other things that I could be doing that would help, or maybe it's a sign of weakness or something like that. But I think the way that you just said it is so true. I think for, for so many people where when you're in a deep depression or anxiety, you can't even think or see straight, right? Like you can't even think or do the things that maybe will help you. And so we, we should be using all the tools we have at our disposal. And for a lot of people, the medication at least allows you to be able to start to part participate in those activities or, or think about the, the way that your thoughts are patterned so that you can get on a better track. And it doesn't necessarily mean the medication is going to be forever, but it's another tool that we have to get us started. And, it, and it's when you, when you can't see the playbook, you're paralyzed because mm-hmm. you don't even know what step to take next. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when the, the weird thoughts come in that, that, when I can see it clearly make no sense to me, but mm-hmm. in that moment, because you can't see anything, they make sense in that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, For sure. That was a weird ramble, but yeah. <laughs> no, that was great. What are some of the, um, like, say you find yourself kind of in spiraling and maybe a negative thought pattern, negative loop. What are some of the things that you do now that help you to get out of that or to sort of change your mindset? So I've done a lot of things to kind of change my overall pattern, but mm-hmm. it, when I sense it coming now, which I can, mm-hmm. which before I couldn't, mm-hmm. is I take some me time. Mm-hmm. And that can be putting my headphones on and going out in the garage and jumping on the assault bike and just yep. and just just me and some music or me and a podcast, or like we just remodeled our kitchen. It could be just mm-hmm. me tiling and, and being at peace with mm-hmm. my headphones on doing a thing just for me yeah. um, and kind of leaving the world for a couple minutes, hour, two hours, just to kind of get myself back. That's great. And I think so many of us, um, maybe if we, if we're not aware of like the first thing is being aware of it, but if we're not aware of it, we can often try to push through and just like, Oh, I, I'm, supposed to be doing this right now. So I'm going to keep doing it. But a lot of times we're going to be better off if we realize what's happening, take a step back and go do something. And this is something I've gotten a lot better at lately um, too, is just taking a step back and saying like, okay, I'm struggling right now. I need to take a step back. I'm going to go for a walk or I'm going to meditate for a few minutes or I'm going to exercise or do something just to, like you said, take me time or change my state a little bit. And then you end up 
being able to come back and be better at whatever it is you're doing, whether it was work or being present with your family or, or whatever else you need to do. Yeah. And that's okay to do, right? Like I think our, our society and our culture sometimes looks down on that. Um, but sometimes that's the best thing that you can do for yourself. Well, I think what's been cool is my family sees this and that I need it. And now they realize they need it too. Yeah. So again, you're inspiring your family and, right. and helping the people around you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, what advice would you give to someone else who's maybe in a similar situation, whether it's with their health, with wanting to start making some lifestyle changes or with mental health? Um, what, what do you think like you wish someone would have said to you earlier on or help in a way that people would have helped you earlier on or, or advice that you would give to someone in a similar situation? So I think it has to, in the end, it has to be the person's decision Mm -hmm. to do it. Um, But to me, you have to go outside of your bubble, Mm -hmm. asking friends for help. And because no matter what you say or what you do, they're going to love you regardless. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need to have that difficult conversation with someone who doesn't know you or is tied to you in a way that you can get away with whatever they're going to, they're going to call you out and make you accountable for what you say. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that, that that is important for everybody, whether you feel like you're depressed or not, you need to find someone that you can talk to that's going to be honest and is going to hold you accountable for whatever you say. That's so true. That's so true. I found that to be true, especially lately too, where you want to, think about the people you're surrounding yourself with and you need to have, of course, good friends and family who are going to support you no matter what, but you also need to know who are those people who are going to be straight with you and who are going to be honest with you and sometimes tell you things when they're hard, just because, you know, maybe it's someone that's, you know, a friend or family member, but they're going to tell you it because that's a way of showing love and care about you because they want you to, to be better. Or maybe it's someone who, like you said, you don't know, it's a counselor or someone who's going to give objective advice. that's not close to your personal situation, but so valuable. And even though it's uncomfortable most of the time to hear those things, like we realize that that's sometimes what we need to hear in order to get better and to go through whatever we need to go through to get better. And the longer you do it, the more rapport you build with that person. Mm -hmm. And so you expect it. It's not, it's not as hard as it was in the beginning. Yeah. Um, And you're, you're looking for them to hold you accountable instead of being surprised by it. Yes. 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 That's amazing. That's amazing. What are you most excited about as you look forward for the next year, few years? So I've made a lot of changes in the Mm -hmm. last um, few months. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually left my gym. Okay. uh, And joined a new gym. Mm -hmm. And it's because some of the stuff that made me depressed happened at that gym. Mm-hmm. And I just need time and space away from it to kind of get through it. Yeah. Second, I need to be a place where I'm just an athlete again, mm-hmm. not the former coach, not yeah. the guy who lost 250 pounds, mm-hmm. just an athlete where I walk in and I'm coached and I'm doing my workout and, um, and it's for me again. Mm-hmm. Um, I hired a nutrition coach. Um, oh, that's great. And her name is Cheryl Nasso. Yes. And she is a (laughs) two-time games athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, And she is the most amazing person. Like God, what God found, I actually interviewed her on my podcast. And when Mm -hmm. I was interviewing her, I was like, oh my goodness, she has a lot of the same things that I do. Mm -hmm. Um, I was diagnosed with an eating disorder this Mm -hmm. last year. Um, And she has gone through that as well. And it's funny, like I'll have a question in my mind and she'll go, I know you're probably thinking, and I'm like, wait. And so um, since I've been with her, I've lost just under 40 pounds. Oh, good for you. And, uh, and she's been amazing. She's just, she's always available to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's the, the attention I need. And mm-hmm. it's a diet that's not restrictive in any way. Mm-hmm. It's just structured. Yeah. And it's been amazing. Couldn't say- that's- more. That's incredible. That's great. Um, and I love how you, you had the insight to be able to, to change your environment, you know, to, 
sometimes it's just, it's a change of environment or knowing what you need in order to be able to thrive or be at your best. And sometimes that can be hard for people to do because it's, it's hard to make changes in general. It's uncomfortable, but good for you for recognizing that making a change, deciding, Hey, I need to start working with someone on nutrition and sort of um, changing things up. That's, that's awesome. And, and they're all like, so my new gym, all the coaches there are outside my bubble. My mm-hmm. nutrition coach was outside my bubble. Mm-hmm. It's all people who are going to be honest with me and the new gym. They're not going to look at me as the guy who had the back injury mm-hmm. and well, he's hurt. So I understand why he's not, they're going to push me again. And I need that push again, mm-hmm. That's all great. in a smart way, but. Right. Doing it one step at a time. Right. <laughs> That's great. Awesome. Um, okay. Well, I want to start wrapping up here with the three questions that I ask at the end of the podcast. The first one is what are the three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health? Uh, so the big thing is I log all my food now. Okay. And do you use a specific app for it or, uh, my fitness pal. Okay. And is the purpose for that or what is the purpose for that for you? For me, it, it, it really holds me accountable because when I have to write it down mm-hmm. and I, and I have to weigh it, then mm-hmm. I, and I see that, Ooh, that's, that's really high in this or really, mm-hmm. then I'm going to back it off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I actually connect it with a, an app called the fitness app. Okay. So it, it, it moves all the data into that. And this is going to be silly, Julie. I, it has three, cir- three circles of my macros uh-huh. and then I'm, I'm trying to fill the circle without okay. it turning red. Oh, that's so it's great. like a game to me. Yeah. Um, it makes and it more fun. As long and so I'm competitive, right? And I want to <laughs> fill all my circles perfectly. Yeah. And that's so great. that helps me a tremendous amount. I love it. Okay. Uh, the other thing is uh, working out at a CrossFit gym again. Mm-hmm. Um, that has been tremendous. Mm-hmm. It's giving me the push I need, it's giving me the fire I need again. That's um, great. And that has been tremendous since I've switched to the new gym. Um, not that the old gym is bad. I don't want to, I don't want anybody to think that I feel mm-hmm. bad about that. It's mm-hmm. just, I needed to move mm-hmm. from, for me. Yeah. And then, um, the last thing is just finding time for me. Mm-hmm. Those little moments where I can just kind of be at peace doing my thing with some headphones in, you know, I'm naturally an extrovert. So that's hard for me. That was hard mm-hmm. for me at first, but, um, I need those times to just kind of relax and be with, be with just me. That's great. That's awesome. What is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or something that you're working on? I know uh, you're working on a lot right now. <laughs> sleep. Sleep. Yeah. Sleep is t- my, I'm terrible at sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And sleep I, is and a I, tough one. I don't even know. I'm kind of confused. I actually have a meeting with Cheryl hmm. later this week to talk about my sleep and how we can kind of change things up. Mm-hmm. to try to figure that out. But yeah, I'm yeah, lucky so for five. For five hours. Oh yeah. Well, that's something that I think, you know, the more and more I learn about sleep, the more I think it's probably one of the most important things for our health. Like even before, even before maybe nutrition, just because it's so foundational when our, if our bodies have the adequate time to recover the impact that can have on the rest of our health and our metabolism and everything else. So, um, I'm praying for you that you can work that <laughs> issue out and get some more sleep. Me too. That's rough. That's rough. Um, what about the last question is what does a healthy life look like to you, Scott? So I, you know, I listen to your podcast all the time. So I knew this one was coming. <laughs> um, so it's funny, like this time when I'm setting my goals, I am not setting definitive goals. Mm-hmm. I want to enjoy the journey this time. And I don't want to restrict the possibilities that may come up in the future. Mm -hmm. And so for me, what a healthy lifestyle looks like is not having fear Mm -hmm. of doing things with my family, like going on a hike or sitting on an airplane, or Mm -hmm. um, I just, I want to be fit enough and healthy enough where I never have to fear doing stuff that I want to do. That's great. That's, that's amazing. And I think that it's so thoughtful and 
because I think so, so easily we can get caught up in the latest health trend or the latest thing. And it can be very easy to let all of these things consume our lives for the sake of wanting to be healthy, but asking yourself, well, why do I want to be healthy? And getting to those real reasons of wanting to be able to spend time with your family and do the things that you really want to do and not have any fear or not let your health hold you back. At the end of the day, I think that's, that's what it's really all about. So yeah, it's been, it's been a wild ride. And the first yeah. time through, I set a lot of definitive goals that I think led to my depression. And mm-hmm. so I wanted this one to be more open and open to whatever God puts in my path. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. And how, how has your family, how has your family been through all of this and in supporting you and making their own lifestyle changes? So they, they're the best family ever. Um, yeah. You know, my wife, my daughter, my mom, they are 100% behind me and they do the things that I'm doing to try to help mm-hmm. me. And um, I think that my family life may be at the best it's ever been. And I would have to attribute that to the counseling, mm-hmm. um, the medication, the psychiatrist, um, because I'm a much more calm and level headed person through mm-hmm. all this. And I think we have deeper conversations Mm -hmm. and it has developed a relationship with all of my family members beyond what we had before. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. Well, I really appreciate you sharing all this. I know it's not easy and it's, it's very vulnerable, but I think so many people listening will be able to relate on some level and, and just to realize everybody's going through something and it's not a straight path, you know? And I think initially your initial sort of um, results that you got with CrossFit were incredible. But like you said, probably you were dealing with a lot of depression even before that. And now going back and being able to really address sort of the root cause of a lot of this by looking at the depression and treating that, um, it's going to set you up to be able to really be healthy in every way. And like you said, the things that are most important, your family life, your relationships um, are going to be better than ever. So I'm really happy for you, really excited for you. And I'm so grateful for you sharing everything with us here. Well, thank you, Julie. As, as I said, before we started, you are one of my favorite people in the world. Um, oh. Getting to come on your podcast is like so cool to me. And I'm so glad I had the opportunity. Oh, well, thank you. That's so sweet. And I also really enjoyed your podcast too. So anyone listening that wants to check that one out, Clydesdale CrossFitter and friends, go check it out. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you or someone you know has a story to share on a future episode of Pursuing Health, please write me at info at pursuing-health.com. If you enjoy listening to the podcast, please also consider subscribing and giving it a five-star rating on iTunes. It really does help to get the word out to more people.